I understand that some people, they just want to do it to, to mark it off their bucket list. And they don't really care how they look at the end result because they made a huge transformation. So this isn't to knock those people, but as a coach, as, as me as a coach, I don't want to put someone on stage who I don't think is ready for the stage. Um, so with that being said, I'm, if someone mentally I know isn't going to ever hit that marker, if we were to start now, I'm not going to start them now. Uh, I'm going to let them know the stage is a great goal. And I think it's amazing that you want to compete and you want to, you want to take on this challenge, but I want you to understand that this is going to be a little bit of a distant goal and we need to make milestones up to it. And that will be the, the crucible, the pinnacle of, of your kind of fitness life right now. But first I want us to hit this goal and then we'll hit this goal. And then we'll hit, and, and I give them a visual roadmap to the stage. So they know it's not never going to happen. Like it, it, it will happen, but we need to hit these little milestones and find your purpose through the process. And sometimes during that, they realize they don't want to compete. The Cerebral Entertainment Thank you for checking in to this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you all to go check out truenutrition.com for all of your nutrition and supplement needs, including protein powders that you can customize to your preference, whole food vitamins, supplements for energy and endurance, and the list just keeps going on and on. When you get finished shopping and you go to check out, be sure to use the code CEPN for a 5% discount on your total order. Also want to remind you out there to do us a favor and subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcast, including YouTube, for video content so that you can keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes with the automaticity. Now for this episode, Colt and I chat with Isaac Miller. Isaac is a bodybuilder, contest prep coach, and host of the Prolific Muscle Podcast. During this episode, you will hear us discuss building client-coach relationships, the physical and mental consequences of bodybuilding, CrossFit versus bodybuilding, and much more. You can find Isaac on Instagram at Miller Strong Training and listen to the Prolific Muscle Podcast on your favorite podcast streamer. On a side note, we did have a little bit of a connection issue, especially at the beginning of the show. But please be patient with the audio because Isaac brings some great content for our discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours warm again. So without further introduction... Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Colt. Absolutely. And with us on the line today, we have Isaac Miller of Miller Strong Training and the host of the Prolific Muscle Podcast. Isaac, thanks for joining us today, sir. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I love to be a part of it. Yeah, man. Cool. Uh, we've uh, Just so the audience knows, we've had a couple runs at this today. Uh, the universe <laughs> is working against us, but we are going to continue to use the fortitude that we have to get this show out and, and make it happen yeah. man so so thanks for joining us again if you would why don't you uh start us off by just telling us a little bit about who isaac miller is man yeah of course and first of all like thank you for having me on the podcast uh i've been kind of following you guys and listening for a little while uh since the episodes with austin stout and uh just really like the content you guys put out um and it is entertaining to the brain. So, uh, <laughs> excellent. Hence the name. Uh, I, I just really appreciate it. And if you hear any background, move closer to my router and it's outside. And um, as far as who I am, my name's Arler. I'm from small town in Missouri. I joined uh, inner throughout. I have a passion for it and, and powerlifting. So, I decided like that's where I should go with my coaching career. And just kept continuing my education and learning it and applying it. So now I, I coach and have the Prolific Muscle podcast and uh, just really focus on helping uh, coaches and athletes become the best they can be in a way that's that's safe and allows them to to learn in the process. Nice. So I have to assume that being in the Marines really gave you a, a leg up on your, your current endeavors you know, as far as staying in shape and building muscle and having, once again, that fortitude to push forward and, and do the things that you do. Yeah, I think it it did really well at letting me understand what real work is. Because mm. um, being a coach, you have like two types of coaches. You have the kind of hobby coaches who probably have another job or they're hands-on trainers at a gym and then take on some clients every once in a while. And then you have like career coaches who this is their passion, this is their life. And when you're a career coach, like it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work uh, to keep it up and to be the best coach. So I think the Marine Corps really just pushed me for that. 
understanding like what real work is and not being faced with a little advert and being like, oh, it's too much and, and backing off. Yeah. Now, did you say, did you say you're still active or no? No, no, no. I okay. got out uh, okay. in 2019. Okay. Gotcha. So what made you want to become a coach? What is it about being a, a coach that really appeals to you? Uh, honestly, like I've always liked being in the gym and, and learning and training. And then I remember my freshman year of college, uh, I was working out and some random guy came up to me and he's like, Hey, have you ever thought of competing? I was like, not really. Like I have, like I've always emulated bodybuilders and stuff, but never thought of it for myself. And so he's like, well, what if I were to sponsor you and do your coaching and, and pay for your show and, and help you and stuff. And I thought this guy might've just been some old creep that wanted <laughs> to look at me with my shirt off. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, like, I'll, I'll get your information. I looked him up. His name's John Gorman. He's one of the top natural bodybuilding coaches in the world. Nice. And I was like, holy shit, this guy wants to work with me. Sweet. And uh, so did that. And the one stipulation is that I just learned and, and that I, you know, help him kind of intern for him and, and learn everything that he, he can teach me as far as bodybuilding. So from the age of 18 on, I just fell in love with the sport, fell in love with coaching athletes and then fell in love with bodybuilding, the science of it. Yeah. So what, if you had to, I guess, what, what is it that he's seen in you? Do you, I mean, was it work ethic or was it like just the frame that you had at that point? What, what do you, what do you think? Uh, without sounding too vain, I think it was just the frame. I, I was a farm kid growing up, okay. loved football and, and just was a stout stocky, had dense mature muscle already for, for being 18. And it just came from lifting when I was 12, you know, and working on the farm. Uh, so I think that's probably what it was. Uh, but it was really quickly turned into me just loving the science and learning and it becoming just a fun process. Gotcha. Yeah, I was watching one of your videos earlier with Colt on social media, and uh, the science of it, it sounds like you're well-versed in, in the science of, of the mechanics of the body and things like that. I believe it was uh, about a knee injury or how to uh, mitigate that. Is that what we were watching oh, yeah, earlier? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, with the band where you had uh, the band around your ankle, and, and then you were showing oh, how, yeah, to, the, the how to turn your knee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's some pretty sciencey stuff, man. You, you can tell that you you put a lot of work and, and uh, a lot of cerebral energy into what what you're doing there, and that's always good to hear. Always good to you know, good to see. But it's, it also well, seems like maybe it. like physical therapy driven too. I mean, is that mm -hmm. in your background at all or no? Uh, I mean, just from a lot of injuries myself and being in the military and having a lot of injuries, I dislocated both multiple times. Oh, having to learn that. And funny enough that you mentioned that video, because that was kind of to prove a point in my gym with some of the other coaches that I was working with. Uh, now it's, it's really sexy to sound smart and everyone wants to follow that person that's saying things that they don't understand. And then they try and apply it, but they don't understand what they're applying. Mm -hmm. So I, I would post videos and put it in very layman's terms and it would get no traction. No one would understand it. But then the next day at the gym, everyone would be, re, be regurgitating this information from another coach and they don't understand. So they would come and ask me the questions. So to prove a point with one of my fellow coaches, the other host of the prolific muscle podcast, Stan, um, I was like, I'm going to put this video out. I'm going to use all scientific terminology. I'm going to just really make it almost impossible for them to understand. And that video blew up and <laughs> was talking about it everyone was using it but they didn't understand it and so it was like why is it sexy to sound smart if the listeners can't apply it like there's no no real point so then i did kind of a, a follow-on video on my stories that broke it down and in learning so for me i realized that i was kind of naive to what i was saying before of it not being useful because it definitely is useful because it started conversations so now i've started incorporating a lot more scientific terminology and anatomical terminology in my videos just to create dialogue with people because then they would message me asking questions um so i was kind of naive and putting down those coaches at the time and then i realized it is a useful tool uh and had to kind of check myself and since then i've, I've started realizing that people do want to learn and they want to create that dialogue so i've tried upping up my game and, and not being too uh, layman in the way i, I say things yeah yeah you gotta get, get you gotta get their attention right you gotta get folks attention and what I always do when it's something that I find that's relevant to me or just something that's very interesting, man, I, I hit the books, AKA I hit Google and I start looking <laughs> up terms and I start looking up, you know, whatever, all the information that I can to make sense out of what I just heard. And mm -hmm. so as long as 
I guess when you get that hook by using the scientific terms, as long as people do the follow-up, then you're still going to be, it's going to be useful information for them. And, and also yep. like what you said, they're going to come and ask you questions and it, it's going to maybe begin that dialogue so that you can connect with that person and hence the relationship might begin. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So it's interesting. And speaking of connection, you know, I, I think that's something that I, that Colt and I both, when we interview a lot of coaches, strength coaches and things of that nature, connection with people is very important, right? You, you have to have a, a kind of a personality that really connects with, with people because you can be, you know, just a muscle head and you can know your stuff, but if, if you can't deliver the information, um, then you really, you can't really utilize what you've got for, for other people. So how much do you, do you focus in on just relationship building with people? And do you have any particular methods or any approaches that you use? Uh, do you put a lot of thought into that when you're really starting to build that relationship? I mean, absolutely. I think every, every DM about coaching, it's, it starts with trying to build a relationship first uh, because it, it helps with a sales standpoint too, to have a good understanding of that person. But it also helps on uh, just a mental sanity standpoint of me and the person of understanding, like if we're going to be a good fit or not. Uh, and I think this is a mistake that a lot of coaches make is they just want to make the sale. And so they'll sell to someone who they don't work well with. And so that relationship never builds. And it's just kind of a waste of time and a waste of money for the client. And it's, it's not the client's fault. I would say it's, it's us, the coach's fault for pushing a sale on someone we know we're not a good match with. Um, so I make sure whenever I'm messaging someone about coaching, it's understanding their motives, understanding what they want, why they want it, and and seeing if we're actually a clear fit and building a relationship first before ever starting an actual coach and client relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's got to be super important. That's a great point um, about having to be able to work with that person. Like if you have a personality clash, obviously you're not going to be able to build from that. There's going to be a lot of maybe up to frustration in the, in the relationship and a lot of strain because you all really don't get along therefore making the sale really, I mean, for the long run, it really didn't work out. Did it? it I couldn't have said it better. Like yeah. it's, it's, I, I would say it helped my business more turning clients, like potential clients down than just taking them on. Um, because a bad relationship with a client can ruin a business. Mm. And I've seen a lot of coaches since I've started coaching who will just push sales and they'll lose clients who go to other coaches and just bad talk that coach. And it's not that the coach is bad. It was just, he was bad for that client. And that client doesn't realize it. Right. So they just think it's a bad coach and they go and bad mouth the coach to another coach. And then that's how a reputation starts. And if that coach would have just been like, Hey, I don't think we're the best fit, but I know a coach you'll be really good with. Let me give you their number that would have done way more for their career than just taking on that client and then having a wildfire start of negative, you know, feedback. Right. That I've always thought that was interesting with prep coaches because you like, you can't be there every second of every day when they're doing they're, they're you're relying on them to do what you're asking them to do to, you know, before they compete and things like that. So it, I've, I've seen that scenario where people go through that and they, and then they end up going to another coach and bad mouthing the other coach when it was their fault, they didn't do what they were supposed to do in the first place. Yeah. And you, you see that a lot where it's, it's a client will get a planet and instead of communicating and communication is, is huge. And if there's a lack, lack of communication, that's where a breakdown is. And if you don't have a good relationship, with a client that communication is not going to absolutely and another interesting concept you brought up there is is referrals you know when you don't work well with a client you can still maybe refer them out that to me is a huge huge marketing skill i mean it's not just good practice because it's like good for the person but it's also good for your business because when you can still help that person your name, your reputation is still going to be pretty strong because you were able to point them in the right direction, even though that direction wasn't, it didn't create business for you. And so that's in my line of work, we, we do the same thing. You're always just trying to make sure that you can point someone in the right direction so that they can get the, the help that they need. Um, I never heard a coach talk about that before. That is, that's a very useful tool, I would think, in marketing and, and just being able to be useful and helpful for people who are looking for a coach. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're talking to a potential client, you know, they're not going to be a good fit. 
you still want to leave on good terms with that potential client because they obviously came to you for a reason. So if someone comes to them later on and, and is talking about that, you would, I would, I would hope that they would still point their friend to me. Um, even if they're not working with me, but if I were to tell them to go F themselves or just keep the, keep them as a client and do horrible, they're not going to tell anyone about me. Mm -hmm. And then that coach that I referred them to, that's a potential collaboration in the future, whether I want them on my podcast or I want to pick their brain, or I notice they do something with their prep process that's different from me. Like there's this whole competition mentality amongst coaches is it, pardon my French. It's just a bunch of bullshit. Like mm -hmm. I, I hate that coaches feel like they need to compete with each other because it's not about us. It's about the clients. And if, I don't care if, if someone is with another coach or whatever, if it, or if I'm sending them to another coach, if that's helping them live better lives, that's why I didn't get into this industry to be a big name and to, you know, beat all the other coaches. I got into this to help people. And I think that's something a lot of coaches forget is like, we got into this. It's a health industry. It's, it's yeah. Bodybuilding is for entertainment, but it started bodybuilding started as rehab and doing isometric exercises to help people heal. And then it turned into sport. And so we forget that this whole thing started with helping people. And if we can get back to that and make an impact as a group, as a collective group of coaches, then we're actually going to see this industry change. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you mentioned earlier too, about just kind of how rehab is part of the, it's part of the sport, you know, because you're, you're, you're going to have injuries, you're going to have fatigue, you know, you, you're, there's going to be strains and pulls. Uh, and, and so the right approach for a person who's trying to build strength, who's trying to bodybuild in general is so important. The coaching is so important because if you're just a, a guy that's out there and just trying to push heavy weights, you don't know what you're doing, your forms off, so on and, so, and you don't know how to rest. You don't know how to rehab or how to, you know, engage a certain body part or muscle group. Um, you're going to get hurt and, and it's going to hurt you in the long run. And so a coach that, that philosophy, I love how you framed that because that's very important and to see it as an industry of helping that's huge. I love that. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I believe it goes deeper than just physical, too, because as a good prep coach, and this is something that I, I highly respect, like Austin Stout and, and Jason Theobald and John Gorman, all these guys where they have a solid understanding. And we as a smaller group of coaches have a solid understanding of like gut health and hormone health and all these imbalances that happen just from a lifetime of yo-yo dieting and trying to, you know, Oh, I'm going to do the Atkins diet, or now I'm going to do keto or now. I'm, and now you have just everyday people who have messed up their, their systems. And, and so they might look fine, but they don't know why they can't diet. They don't know. So then when it comes time for that person to want to do a show, they can't. And a, a an average coach isn't going to understand why they're just going to crash them to, to the dirt, trying to, you know, we need to pull all your calories. We need to up your cardio. We need to do all this they never fix the foundation first of just hormone health and GI health. They don't know what a Dutch test is. Like they don't understand these things. And so if we can educate coaches on, on how to actually take care of a client and, and fix their health and, and prime them and get them ready to actually even just lose fat. And this is outside of competition. This is just everyday people. If we collectively as coaches understand, you know, actual health first outside of just physical, you know, body movement and mechanics but the inside the, the internal systems and how they work and how they operate um then then you're going to see a lot healthier clients uh, especially you know then we take it into the prep space you have women who never have a blast cruise blast cruise until they can't have kids you know and it's you have this and it, and it stems from coaches just not really educating themselves they just kind of i competed once this is what my coach had me do so now i'm going to coach people and they never broaden the way they they coach they they just applied what they did and that's it that, that's the end all be all of coaching and so my big goal in in my career is to just educate coaches on being good coaches so that we can help people and you know just make an impact that way mm. have you dealt with any uh clients wanting to come to you to be you know do a prep for a show or something like that and you just realize right off the bat that they are not ready like their, their body's just so messed up. They're not ready to do a show right now. And then they just move on to another coach because they didn't want to go through all that all the time. Yeah. Literally happens all the time, especially like first time competitors who have never done it. So they don't realize that you can't just prep. You can't just come to a coach and be like, Hey, 
I have a show picked out in 16 weeks. Like, let's go. It's yeah, like, it right. doesn't work like that. I need at least one to two months before your prep to figure out if you're even ready for prep. Right. And so the ones that stick through it and then eventually hit the stage or they understand they're really happy. Or if you have someone who's competed a few times and they understand like reverse dieting doesn't always happen the way you plan it or, you know, your hormones got to whack, they get blood work done. Um, and, and it, you can actually show them, but a lot of first time competitors, they don't get that and they don't understand, Oh, why do I need to get blood work done? Or why, why do I need to prep for a prep? That doesn't make sense. And then they'll move on to another coach. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. And it seems like you were alluding to earlier, getting past the physical aspects of, of competing, of bodybuilding, of fitness in general, maybe uh, a, a huge component of physical health of any health is mental health. Right. And so how often do you come across people who you can just tell that either by the, the, the fitness itself or just maybe they, ha they have other things going on that they're really experiencing mental health difficulties that's really going to hamper their overall well-being? Uh, so it, that's part of the building the relationship before having that, you know, client coach relationship. That's really important. Uh, and it's, it's understanding their motivations and why they want to do something. And if they're just like really depressed, it's more of let's not focus on prep first. Let's let's focus on just kind of getting in shape. And they might be in shape, but they don't realize that what's going to happen in this time period is they're actually going to find passion in, in what they're doing. Because if you just automatically start a prep and you're already in a bad mental space, there's a lot of negative self-talk that happens in this cycle up to a prep. And so it's like, I don't want that negative self-talk to start to amplify, especially as you start to get in more of a calorie restriction and, and you start taxing the systems, the brain starts working in these weird ways. And we are automatically conditioned to say something negative. Uh, that's just the way we are wired. It's if you just have a thought, like just a conscious thought right now, nine times out of 10, it's going to be a negative thought, not a positive one. And so now we take someone who always has negative thoughts and we start to mess with the way their brain functions because it's not getting all the carbohydrates it needs. It's not converting things the way it needs to hormones start going out of whack because that does happen on prep. You can't avoid that. It, it is going to happen, but now we take someone who's already inherently negative and we mess with the way their brain thinks it becomes dangerous. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's when we have clients who quit bodybuilding and hate it, hate fitness. And then they fall off and they stay unhealthy for the rest of their lives because they say, you know, screw that. I don't want to do that again. That was awful. The person was awful. The coach was awful. The people are awful. And if we would have just taken some time to help them find passion in what they're doing and, and help them love themselves and, and fix the negative self-talk, have them meditate, have them learn how to, how to kind of change the way they think. We figure out, you know, let's lower your cortisol down a little bit. Let's, let's raise your test, like naturally raise your hormones. Let's find balance and let's find balance in your life and find a lifestyle that works. Once that happens, then we can compete. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot there. Uh, the, the stress that you're putting on the brain, as you mentioned with like the, the increased cortisol, that's going to come with, bodybuilding period, right? I mean, that's just going to happen. So if you have someone who's already pretty stressed out, um, they, they come to you, they want to start bodybuilding. I can see how that would be a, a big red flag for anyone. Oh, absolutely. You, you note those yeah. things on top of depression, maybe some other things we've talked about, uh, even probably with Austin, some of the, the psychological factors that come into play, like depression, like stress, like possibly obsessive compulsive behaviors. You know, if someone is obsessive compulsive in, in different areas and they take this thing on where you have to put so much focus and energy behind it in order to excel to the next level also could be a big red flag. And so uh, I would imagine that through that relationship building, you're kind of doing a little bit of a, a psychological analysis of this person, um, maybe possibly looking for any of these red flags that, that might pop up. Yeah, and and that is... I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's a psychoanalysis of each person to see if they're ready to undergo what's, what's going to happen. And I think that's what separates an average coach from a good coach of physique enhancement is understanding if someone's ready for that or not. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause even if they're not ready and you just prep them, they're not going to be stage ready by the time they get on stage. And I understand that some people, they just want to do it to, to mark it off their bucket list. And they don't really care how they look at the end result because they made a huge transformation. So this isn't to knock those people, 
but as a coach, as, as me as a coach, I don't want to put someone on stage who I don't think is ready for the stage. Um, so with that being said, I'm, if someone mentally I know isn't going to ever hit that marker, if we were to start now, I'm not going to start them now. Uh, I'm going to let them know the stage is a great goal. And I think it's amazing that you want to compete and you want to, you want to take on this challenge, but I want you to understand that this is going to be a little bit of a distant goal and we need to make milestones up to it. And that will be the, the crucible, the pinnacle of, of your kind of fitness life right now. But first I want us to hit this goal and then we'll hit this goal. And then we'll hit, and, and I give them a visual roadmap to the stage. So they know it's not, never going to happen like it, it, it will happen but we need to hit these little milestones and find your purpose through the process and sometimes during that they realize they don't want to compete they they just want to live ha- like healthy and, and look good and and that is amazing and i've been able to help a lot of people find passion within fitness without ever getting on stage even though the stage was their original goal to coming to me in the first place uh, but again, like the mental health aspect is way more important. And I, and I tell people all the time, abs are great, but your health is way more important than your abs. And so if prep is going to hurt you like way more than, than it should, I'm not going to tell you to get on stage. I'm going to, I'm going to say, we need to back off of this and take some time. Yeah. How, how many clients do you think you have right now? Uh, right now I'm at about 20... 25 competitors okay and then about 25 uh just lifestyle clients and is that about like half and half between enhanced and natural or does it do do you try to have more of one than the other or is it just just happen how it happens i think from having a career that started in california uh where npc is big Mm -hmm. most of my clients are enhanced athletes um but i do have a few natural athletes um and i have a few that do npc that are natural uh but uh, i would say i'm probably around 60 to 70 percent uh, enhanced gotcha okay yeah and i would imagine going back to setting those milestones those those baby steps as we like to call them in in, in my work um you probably get a lot of pushback from that because I would imagine I know myself, I always, I want it all and I want it now. You know, I want to go from zero to 60 and I want it done like yesterday. And so how much pushback do you get from people on setting those goals or are they pretty much, do they fall in line with it because they kind of, they know that they're in this for the long game, the long haul. Uh, I, I would say sometimes I do get pushback. I would say actually a lot of times I get pushback at first and then after I explain why I'm, I'm doing the things that I do, or even I refer them to one of my clients who's been through that process and they can hear it from a peer perspective, then they're like, okay, let's do this. And if I keep getting pushback after that, that's when I say, I don't think maybe I'm, I'm the right fit as a coach for you. Mm -hmm. uh, But let me point you in the direction of someone who, who might be able to help you hit your goal. And I don't, point them in the direction of someone who's just going to take them on and prep them. I point them in the direction of someone who might be able to better help the mental aspect of it um, and be able to help them in a way that their personality kind of matches up. Typically it's, uh, and nothing against bikini or wellness competitors, but typically it'll be like a girl wanting to do a bikini show, but she's never competed and she doesn't understand that she needs to, you know, fix her metabolism, fix her, her mental health and her image of herself. But me being the Marine kind of mentality that I have, it's hard for me to explain that type of stuff. So I'll refer her to a coach that is probably also a female who's been through this process, who's worked with people uh, of her kind of nature and can better help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have to watch out for eating disorders as well, right? Uh, do you, do you see that a lot? Do you see uh, that being the result of a lot of prep for competition, especially with something like bikini where the goal was, you know, really to, to, Stay trim. Yeah, that's where the psychoanalysis comes in. So if I have someone, and surprisingly, it happens just as much with the male competitors that I get inquiries, uh, where it's like they they have a history of yo-yo dieting, or if they like, I'll I'll ask for you know the last time they were on on stage or the last time they did a cut to send me the the pictures from the last time, just so I can look at what they would be kind of close to stage lean to see kind of muscle maturity and everything like that. Mm. 
and if I get the pictures, but then it also has a paragraph about how they weren't quite as lean as they wanted to be, or, oh, I was holding water. Like, I obviously know, okay, these are like a year ago. You don't need to give me this paragraph. So this lets me know there's some, there's some major image issues, self-image issues that, that are attached to, to this. And so that lets me know, okay, we need to create a lifestyle first. So it might not be just throwing macros at them right off the gate. It might just be, let's track your protein, see where your protein's at, if you're getting enough protein. And now I want you to hit this calorie count. I don't want you to, you know, track all your macros. I just want to make sure you're getting this amount of cattle, this amount of calories and this much protein and just creating a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And once I know that they can hit the calories consistently, they're not freaking out or something like that. And they, they kind of have that maturity that happens through that little process. Then it's like, okay, now we can start. Um, but it is, it is something that I have to analyze first to make sure if I were to just prep them, they're not going to be picking themselves apart and having that negative self-talk loop come through. Sure. Yeah. And body image. I mean, that's just so huge, right? Because that's kind of the, the name of the game. We're wanting to enhance the way that we look, the way that we feel as well, but I want to be able to look in the mirror and know that I look good. You know, I, I, that's, it just makes me feel better. It makes my life better. You know, and it increases my confidence. It increases my self-esteem. It improves all those things. And so body image is so closely tied to what you do. And it's got to be like a, there's a fine line oftentimes between a healthy body image and one that's at least starting to fall off track and maybe one that's way out of whack because uh, when you don't get the gains or you want the gains quicker or maybe it just didn't turn out the way that that person wanted to, um, a lot of disappointment can set in. Right. And so it, it's kind of a, just kind of a tricky line that we have to walk in that, in that measure. Yeah, I, I completely agree there. And it's, it's something that even I personally dealt with because I got into competing really young. I was still a teenager when I started competing and being that kind of like chunky kid to being super skinny to, you know, trying to get into sports and, and really kind of starting to see muscle and everything it became a, a very negative self-talk loop of like i i want to be stage lean all the time i i saw what it what it looked like and what it felt like as an 18 year old to kind of have that attention when being you know a stage lean bodybuilder and have something that i've never had before so it's like well now i want this all the time and you realize you can't have it all the time and if you try to you're going to get hurt and uh so this is something that is very crucial in the reverse diet of a competitor where you have to remind them like stage lean doesn't happen year round. That is like a, they, we call it a peak for a reason, like peak week, you're peaking your physique. That peak is only there for a short time. You have to reverse out. You have to put on some body fat to live healthy, to, mm -hmm. to have a normal life, to function. And like bodybuilding is not a safe sport. It's an extreme sport. And it's because you're taking your bodies to extremes. So you can't stay at that extreme for a long period of time or else you will have negative consequences. And uh, so it's really, really important that the client understands that and that the athlete understands that from the very beginning, that it's what you want, that, that peak physique that you want is not sustainable. And if you think it is, you are in the wrong sport. Right. So earlier in the game, did you have to figure that out on your own or did you have a coach like you telling you these same things you're telling us right now? Uh, I would say this is where I completely messed up whenever I was a young, dumb kid that I went through prep. I got uh, sick with mono like two, three weeks out and I was in the hospital, uh, but I still went through with it. Felt like shit, probably should have just held off on the show. Uh, went back to maintenance calories. And then, you know, once I was clear from being sick, picked a new show and, and cut again, but I didn't, I just pushed through. So then by the time I competed, I was like, well, fuck this. And then I went, ate whatever I wanted to eat. I wanted to just feel normal again, but it ruined my body. Um, and so that's whenever it was like, I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. I didn't like who, what I looked like. I didn't like, you know, I, I didn't reverse diet. I didn't do any of that. I just said, screw it, ate everything you know, curbed my, my cravings. I, I drank, I did whatever. And from that point, I realized I should not have done that. I did not <laughs> like who I look like. I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like, you know, the mental processes that were going on. 
but it also piqued my interest of why, why did this happen? Why do I feel this way? Why is my brain working this way? And so that's when I was like, okay, well, let me start actually researching this and researching why the body reacts this way after we get to this level of lean um, and realizing that I was so naive and stupid and, and just young um, helped me learn a lot. And I'm kind of happy that I went through that process because it right. allowed me to have a hands-on understanding of what my clients are going through whenever they prep and they hit the stage and then the process after. Right. Hmm. Now, do you work with a lot of people who are just beginning down the journey of fitness? Yeah, I would say most of, not most, but probably three quarters of my clients are first time competitors. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what kind of, what kind of, uh, obstacles and, and what kind of lessons have you learned from working with people who are just beginning? And do you see a lot of the same kind of mistakes? Do you see a lot of the, the same kind of mindsets? Uh, what insight can you give us as far as the beginners go? Uh, the beginning, a lot of it is people have just been approached saying like, oh, you should compete. You should do this. You should do that. Like they've been in the gym a while. They've dieted before. Like they understand what it's like to be lean and to have muscle. So they're like, you know what? Might as well just knock this off the list or see if I like it. And I, I might as well just do it and compete. And I think that's something that goes through the head of, of a lot of people who have been in the gym for a while as just lifestyle lifters that thought enters their head at some point of like, eh, maybe I should do a show. Um, so it's just those people who actually act on it. Uh, but consistently, I would say having, and this has changed the way I coach too, the post-show like reverse. I'll let them know prep doesn't end when you do the show. Prep ends when you're back to maintenance level calories. And this is something that I've really had to start imp implementing. And I, when I have a client pay for a prep, I make sure that they pay for, you know, past the show period. They're, they're paying for coaching at least a month to two months past the show. That way they're more invested in actually listening to the coaching. Cause typically if I, I used to charge just up into the prep and then I would, you know, then go like month to month or something after, but after they do the show, they're like, nah, I don't want to continue. I'm just going to do my own thing. But then they ruin themselves and they, they don't feel good. They don't look good. They, they, ruin their hormones, they ruin their gut. And it was bad for my business because people knew that I was their coach. So then they just think I'm still their coach. And now look, look at them like that guy must not know what he's doing. So I started making them kind of pay for some time after the show. And I, I remind them prep ends when you're back to maintenance, not whenever the show day is. So then they hit the show and it's like, okay, enjoy the weekend. But now we need to get back to a plan. We need to get back to this just for a short period of time to get you back up to where your calories are normal, where your hormones are back in balance. We'll get some blood work. We'll make sure everything's good. Now we can have freedom. Now we can have, you know, the ability to, to do what you want, have more cheat meals, that type of stuff. But understand that period after the show is more important than the prep itself, because this is what's going to ultimately bring your body back to homeostasis and set you up for the next time you compete. Mm. So I mean, as far as reverse dieting goes, you know, it's going to be geared towards each person, of course, but what's the major differences between like, if you have two different people who are reverse dieting at the same time, what's going to be the biggest differences between those two? Or is it, or for the most part, kind of about the same for everyone? Systematically, it's similar. Obviously it's different person to person, but if you're looking at it just as a, as a system, as a process, you're going to be increasing calories between like a hundred calories a week, let's say, depending okay. on the person. Um, 100 calories a week back to maintenance. You're going to be, if they're enhanced, you're going to be dropping off or, or post-cycling. You're going to be implementing things. I try not to blast cruise my clients unless they've already been on TRT. Um, okay. Otherwise, it's, it's like coming off of gear. Let's incorporate HCG and Clomid and, and some kind of aromatase inhibitor. Like let's, let's start to find normalcy. Let's slowly bring your calories up. Let's slowly, slowly taper your, your um, cardio down. And typically it takes... I've noticed it takes, say you do a 16 week prep, it'll take 12 to 16 weeks to bring your hormones back to homeostasis uh, mm -hmm. from where you started. Uh, if you're pushing a lot of gear, then obviously you might not hit that normalcy marker. Um, and that's just the negative effect of, of steroid use over a long period of time. Uh, and why most people now have to end up on TRT at some point. But systematically it's typically close to the same obviously the small numbers will change uh, between client but it's typically like i would say 100 calories a week added and um stripping maybe five to ten minutes of cardio a week as you go 
and uh, going from there. Gotcha. Okay. Has it been your experience that more seasoned uh, people have competed already in the past? Are they more flexible when it comes back to the reverse dieting and getting back to homeostasis? Um, or, or does the body kind of get more worn as someone continues competing? I think it depends. Um, obviously, they get better at the process of reverse mm. and they understand like there's a hobby mindset kind of like with coaching there's a hobby coach and there's a career coach there's a hobby bodybuilder and there's a career bodybuilder and that career bodybuilder understands that their their career of bodybuilding is year-round um so there's a time where you're not as strict and you're not as spartan mentality but there's a time where they are and so during that reverse they're they're a lot better at sticking to the plan and reversing and understanding that it's just a temporary thing and that they'll have normalcy later on, but it's important. But then you have those hobby bodybuilders who don't quite understand that process and it's hard for them to stick to the reverse or they'll get the post-show depression where they, they don't like how they look. They understand that they can't be stage lean. They get depressed and, and it's hard for them to stick to the plan. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. I would imagine that post-show depression is probably a, a pretty big thing. That's probably pretty common, isn't it? I would say it definitely is like, I was just talking to one of my clients today, actually, who um, I, they just competed, didn't hear from them for a couple of weeks. And they just, they, they just got really depressed. And they were like, I'll be honest with you. Like I haven't been tra tracking my food. I haven't been tracking my cardio. Like I haven't gone crazy with it. I haven't been eating crap, but it's just, it's been hard. Mm -hmm. And so then it was like sitting her down and being like, I understand where you're coming from. I've been there. A lot of us have been there, but also keep in mind, like, you have a pro card to, to win. Like you, you came to me with a goal of turning pro. We got you a, a win. We got you the qualification. We got a pro show or uh, your pro qualifier coming up at the end of the year. We, we need your, your a game. And she was like, you're right. And, and it was just starting to look at things as a, from an outside perspective, because it's really easy to get sucked into your world and, and let the, the waves, of competing you know take you down but if you can step outside of the ocean and look at it from the helicopter view and look down at yourself and, and realize it's it's just a little part of the system of the bigger system it's easy to pull yourself out and be like okay let's get back on let's get back on track and so had that talk with her and she's she's back on track she's and she's doing great yeah nice that's good i would imagine the the coaching in that part is so crucial too because it's probably pretty easy once you've got someone to guide you through that process, especially someone who's been through it before. But if a, if a person were just on his or her own, it, it might be a little more difficult. You've been, you got into peak physical condition. You've been looking at yourself in the mirror. Other people have been looking at you and it's maybe especially if you did well, but just being able to look in the mirror and see how, how much you've accomplished physique wise. And then post show kind of go back into, you know, you're starting to build up your calories again and, and you're starting to see your body shift back to maintenance uh, level physique. And I could imagine that that's probably pretty tough. It's probably pretty hard to look at, but uh, it sounds like the important thing is the most important thing is looking at the long game. You, you got to look at the long haul. You can't take today and think that today is going to be forever because nothing is like that. Right. And it's maybe especially your physique. It's got to change. It's supposed to change. Uh, depending on what the, the short-term goal for your body is. Yep. Yeah. And I would just to kind of caveat off that, because I like how you said for someone doing it themselves, it'll be really, really hard for this. And one thing I've noticed, and, and this isn't to knock people who coach themselves and do great, but the majority of competitors I've seen um, need a coach. Even when I compete, I'll hire a coach uh, just because it's hard to see ourselves outside of ourselves and and so like i when i first tried to coach myself i did it with the idea of i'm going to experiment like different prep protocols on myself and see what works and what doesn't so i can apply it to my to my clients but i learned really quick that that thought went out the window and it was like i need to take all my calories away so i can get stage lean but then it's like now i'm going to give myself a bunch of refeeds throughout the week and, and it just i was ruining myself and then I became so self-absorbed with my own prep that I wasn't focusing on my clients. And so I was like, okay, no, I need to hire a coach. And looking at the, say the IFBB, for example, I don't think there's any real top pro that doesn't have a coach. And it's not saying that those IFBB pros are dumb. They're not, but they understand that they can't do it themselves. 
And so if you talk to anyone who was like, yeah, I've competed before and I hated it, most of them either one had a bad coach or two coached themselves. And it's, it's a team sport. Like even though you're up on stage alone, it's a team sport. And that's one thing that I, I really push as a community. Like I have a, pri- a private Facebook page just for my clients. Like all my clients, you know, follow each other. And, and even though they might be in different States, they're hyping each other up. They're sharing their stories, their, their comments, their posting, like they're talking to each other having dialogue and hyping each other up because it's not a, a, a solo sport. It's a team sport. And if you can have that mentality of like having a coach, getting rid of your own ego enough to hire a coach and realize you can't do it on your own, not only are you going to get the coach, but you're going to get the community of people who are also using that coach. And it's so much more, just the experience is, is so much better. And, and it's such a fulfilling experience when you have a community of people who have your back and a coach who understands the way your body works um, and if you're doing it on your own, you're not having that. And then it becomes this very just depressing kind of solo thing where you're just kind of killing yourself for no reason other than to get on stage for a day. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. And, you know, I couldn't imagine competing without a coach going into competition without a coach. Well, it's weird to think that like you can do something for 10, 15 years, you know, and it's like majority of the things you're doing is the same things over and over each year, but you still need a coach to be able to guide you through it. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's like a lot of things though. You can't, it's so much more difficult to see yourself or what's really going on to, to see yourself from the inside out than it is for someone else to see you from the outside looking at you. They can, they can detect these things. I mean, we, right. in the gym, we do it all the time. Um, and playing disc golf, we do it. You know, we're always kind of gauging and watching the other guy to see if there's any any flaws in technique that we can detect so that we get better and better. And I mean, just physical wise, but also just with the mental aspects and the and the nutrition aspects of everything. I can't I can imagine going into that without coaching. You know, that that seems like that would be just a a lot more difficult. <laughs> no, absolutely. Like I said, even I have a coach, you know, that I'll hire whenever it's time for me to prep. Mm-hmm. And um, just because I know it's 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 not a fun experience if you do it alone. And no matter how smart you are, it takes a community of people to help this process because it's not a fun process. Prep sucks. Like <laughs> we are controlled starting ourselves and doing a lot of cardio like that's by the end of prep i don't care what coach sells you you know this this ideal all of my clients are still eating almost maintenance level calories and cardio is minimal it's like well then are they actually stage lean like the prep kind of sucks and there's no magical pill or anything you can take so if you can have a community and a coach who can at least make it seem a little bit more enjoyable and a little bit better and give you a little bit more purpose through that process then it that alone is beneficial take coaching out of it. Just having that community is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, and it's an investment into your prep itself and, and the experience. Um, so I would say co- just having a coach and a community of athletes that, that have your back is going to make this, like your experience in the sport worth it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's even better in my opinion. I think a lot of people share, it's just better to even have a workout partner than just, just working alone. And so it stands to reason that getting a coach is like that next level of, of having a, a workout partner with you. You've got this person who, you know, they're, you're, you're buying their services, but you're, you're trying to reach a goal. You're trying to reach an end and, and to have that extra oomph, have that extra knowledge and that insight, I, I got to think is very, very important. So you said earlier that uh, bodybuilding is an extreme sport. It's not a safe sport. Um, there is a goal in mind, especially when you're competing, you want to get on that stage. You want to look the the best. Most of the time you're trying to, you know, you you want to look big, obviously. Um, you want the muscles to pop. So bodybuilding compared to something like CrossFit, what kind of, what kind of, uh, differences, pros and cons can you give me from both angles as to why someone would do one over the other? Yeah. I mean, it's funny that cause it's, it's, they're so drastically different, mm. but very similar uh, in, in their effects of CrossFit, you are pushing your body to extremes. And I'm talking about kind of an elite level of CrossFit, like you'd see at the games where these people are, are insane athletes and the work output that they're, that they're producing is not almost not human the way like if you look at matt frazier and the way he he trains 
there's no way that that's a normal human being. <laughs> and there's no way that you can sustain that for a long time, but yet they somehow they do. And so it's, and I would say that the level of, of work that they produce, it's dangerous, but to a different extent. Like you see a lot of injuries in CrossFit as far as, you know, mechanical issues within just body movement. And so with bodybuilding, it might not be as many physical injuries or even like powerlifting, for example, like the injuries that you see in CrossFit and powerlifting are probably just as numerous as bodybuilding, but bodybuilding, the injuries are internal. You're going to have, you know, hormone imbalances. You're going to have GI dysfunction. You're going to have, you know, mental health issues. Wow. CrossFit and bodybuilding, you might tear a bicep. You might dislocate a shoulder. You might, you know, dislocate a hip. And so they're, they're equally dangerous, but for different reasons. And for anyone who says CrossFit's not a real sport or not an extreme sport, they, they really need to watch a CrossFit <laughs> competition and see for themselves. Um, it, this was an experience. I, I did CrossFit a little while in, in college and I enjoyed it. And in the Marine Corps, especially being a, a martial arts instructor in the Marine Corps, the, the style of workouts that I'd put my Marines through are very CrossFit dominant style workouts. So then I got out of the Marine Corps and uh, I ended up getting diagnosed with narcolepsy and a, an extreme rare form of cataplexy. Hmm. And so to prove something to myself, I wanted to do a CrossFit tournament with my girlfriend. She's a great athlete. Uh, I am not as good of an athlete as I once was. <laughs> and so we sign up for this little, what I thought was a little CrossFit tournament in um, Indiana, in Indianapolis. And I was like, you know, this will be fine. We show up and we thought it was a intermediate to basic intermediate course, but it was an intermediate to advanced course. And most of the people there were CrossFit games competitors who just finished the open and were getting ready for regionals. And this was like their keep warm in between. So I get there real quick and I just see people that I see on TV and I'm like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> where are we? We are not in the right spot. And, and just trying to keep up with these guys. And luckily we ended up uh, we, in the male female category. We were like 11th out of 18 teams. And so I was, I was super happy with that. Granted, <laughs> she was holding the team on her back, but um, it was just insane to see these level of athletes in person, like competing with them. And it's like talking to them. It's like, how has your career been? Cause you've been competing for years that you, you guys are elite level athletes. Almost every one of them are like, well, yeah, I remember, you know, two years ago, I completely tore my hamstring from, from the tendon. And it's like hearing these injuries, these are awful injuries. And it, it's the same in bodybuilding. You hear someone who's like, yeah, I completely wrecked my hormones or like, yeah, I, I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis because I had leaky gut from, you know, restricting my calories and my cortisol was so high. And it's like a torn hamstring sounds awful. Leaky gut doesn't sound as bad, but I can tell you it doesn't leaky sound gut great. Has, <laughs> leaky gut has just as bad of consequences internally as a torn hamstring does externally. Right. Um, so seeing the correlation uh, of how dangerous these sports are and how extreme they are and how good coaching and every sport is pivotal, especially in a time where automation is huge. You have CrossFit coaches who are just mass producing programs online and sending them out. And it's like, that is such a dangerous game to play. Uh, you have powerlifting coaches who have 800 clients because they're just really selling an ebook program and nothing's personalized to the athlete. It's such a dangerous game to play uh, because these sports are hard. These sports are dangerous. Having a good coach is important. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, you see that kind of thing in bodybuilding too, though, right? Coaches who basically just mass produce the same program and give it to, you know, multiple people or, you know, things like that. That's probably not the most safe game to play either. Oh, absolutely. It started with bodybuilding. Like you had coaches just mass produce programs and, and send them to all their clients. And it's one thing to have kind of a template to run off of as far as workouts go, mm -hmm. like say like a bikini competitor, like, I'll use templates. For example, I have like a bikini, a wellness, a figure, a male physique, a male bodybuilder, like template. But then I still go in and I kind of individualize it to the athlete, depending on if they've had any injuries or if there's like a body part they need to bring up and I'll, and I'll individualize that. But to have a template for, and nutrition and, and hormone, none of that is templated because that's something that, that really does need to be individualized to the client. But let's take a sport like CrossFit or, or, or powerlifting if you just template it and throw it out and there's no form critiques, like there's no periodization, there's no, there's automated periodization where it's just like, okay, this week we're going to do five by five at 70. Next week we're going to go five by five at 80. Next week we're going to go five by five at 90. 
And that client just goes through it, even though they might've hurt or tweaked their shoulder on week one. And now they're still trying to push through and there's no accountability there. And like bodybuilding, it was, it's, it's hurting people. But then other coaches are like, well, if they can do it and make a lot of money, why don't I do it and make a lot of money? So instead of, you know, having a good coach charging, you know, four or 500 a month for a, a very few clients who are healthy and happy, you have a coach who is a decent coach charging $50 a month for a hundred clients. Right. And, and it becomes a very dangerous thing. Hmm. So are CrossFit folks really more physically fit overall than the rest of us, than bodybuilding? Because <laughs> this is something that I hear, Isaac. And, you know, when I first heard of CrossFit, I, I had a buddy. He was always a bodybuilder. Um, he, he ventured over into CrossFit. And he says, trust me, James, there's no way you couldn't handle this. Like, this, is, this is top shelf stuff, man. This is top level. Um, I, you know, I found some, some CrossFit folks like that. So what do you think about the overall fitness of, of someone in CrossFit versus bodybuilding? So in a, in a basic, just elementary level, I would say bodybuilding takes a lot more mental and physical fortitude than CrossFit because almost anyone can go to it. And this is something that's good about CrossFit is they're so welcoming of the entire fitness community. Um, you can be of any fitness level, go to a box, a, a good box with a good coach and be worked with bodybuilding. You can't just get on stage at any point in time. You have to have some level of conditioning, but if you're looking at an elite level, there is no way that you could take Phil Heath, put him with Matt Frazier and say, do this wad and Phil Heath even finish Brandon Frazier would mop the floor with him. Mm. And so I'm just looking at it at an elite level especially being in, in the Marines and training Marines with this style of training. It's funny. Cause I would, I would run McMap sessions as our Marine Corps martial arts program. I would, I'd run sessions and, and have Marines who were bodybuilders that competed and they, they had a lot of muscle and then I'd have Marines who fought for a living and like they, they loved martial arts and they got into it and they, they go to jujitsu classes and Muay Thai classes and stuff out in town on their own. And I have them go up against each other in a fight that bodybuilder would get his ass kicked every time, Yeah, every time where they'd be gassed or they'd be breathing heavy. And, you know, CrossFitters, they're just fit. Like that's CrossFit. They're fits in the name and mm -hmm. they're just an elite level of athletes. So I'll say looking at a, a comparison of bodybuilder and CrossFit from a physical fitness standpoint, a CrossFitter is in way better shape. Yeah. Did that, did that just upset you? No, but I, <laughs> I, I figured that was the answer. I, I just wanted to double check to make sure. Isaac, we really appreciate you giving us your valuable time here today, man. If uh, if you could, let's close this off by you giving us all of your information. Let our audience know where they can find you if they want to hire you for your for your training services, if, if that's available, and um, all your socials, any, any way they can get a hold of you, websites, whatever you got, man. Let's have it. Yeah, of course. Uh, so my Instagram is uh, Miller Strong Training. And if you're interested in coaching and you have an Instagram, just click the link in the bio and it'll, you know, give me your contact information and we can set up a time for a free consultation. So I, I never charge for a consult, um, whether we work together or not. That's just me wanting to help someone, you know, find the right path, whether that's with me or with someone else. Uh, but yeah, just the link in my bio, Miller Strong at Miller Strong Training on Instagram or tmillerstrong at gmail.com. And then the podcast is the Prolific Muscle Podcast, and uh, it's on iTunes, Spotify. It should be here soon on Pandora and iHeartRadio soon as well. Nice. And then um, I will be hosting a seminar in Kansas City July 18th at uh, Total Body Fitness in Lee Summit, Missouri, which is just just south of Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be it'll be me, um, John Gorman from Team Gorman and, and Fat Muscle Project. He'll be teaching metabolic capacity and uh, taking a physique from good to great. I'll be teaching on cortisol and stress and how it affects weight loss and prep. Um, my co-host of the Prolific Muscle Podcast, Dan DeRay, he'll be teaching advanced um, mechanics for compound movements. I'll be teaching a mechanics class for physique enhancement. So taking like bodybuilding style movements and teaching kind of the mechanical breakdown of that. And then uh, Steve Taylor from 3D Muscle Journey uh, he will be teaching on sustainable habits for fat loss, uh, like for everyday lifestyle clients so that they're not tracking macros all the time and getting burnt out. Uh, and that one's July 18th. And if you go to uh, tvfitkc.com, you can order the tickets there. Uh, and that's going to be an awesome event on July 18th. 
Yep, that sounds like a blast, man. Ladies and gentlemen, you too can be Miller Strong. Isaac, <laughs> once again, we thank you, man. Appreciate your time. Thank and, you, uh, guys. We'll be keeping up with you. Looking forward to maybe talking again sometime in the near future. Of course, I appreciate it, guys. You guys have a good one. Right on, you too, man. Thanks again to Isaac Miller, and thank you, CEP listener. Remember that word of mouth feels like the satisfaction of a successful show prep for us, so don't forget to tell your friends and fam about the great variety that you hear right here on the CEP. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you consume the podcast that you hold near and dear to your heart. And be sure to visit the new and improved launching pad for all things cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And of course, if you need to contact us, you can do that at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Pick up all your official CEP network merch at buyjack.com slash CEP. And that's all I've got, folks. So until next time, be sure to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours nice and warm out there. See ya.